morning. When I got to church this morning, I was uh, I was notified of a great uh, tragedy here at the church, and I uh, was very sad to learn that my beloved pop machine downstairs, the pop refrigerator, exploded all the cans of pop and destroyed the whole thing. So. God bless Birdie outside trying to, I don't know what she was doing, trying to thaw him out or something, I don't know, but I don't know. You know, when I was a kid, people, uh, you know, when I grew up, um, whenever people would talk about the Holy Spirit, they they referred to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost. And I've told you before, you know, some of the thoughts about the Holy Ghost. And it scared me when I was a kid. I can remember being uh, at my uh, relative's house and, uh, you know, I was laying on a couch. And I was tr- they told me, you got to go to sleep. Okay, so I'm just a kid and you got to go to bed. So I'm, I'm laying on a couch and I'm falling asleep. And I can hear him in the kitchen talking. And they were talking about, I think it was stuff out of Matthew chapter 24, which is a pretty hair-raising chapter. And they started talking about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost. And I was laying there thinking, oh, ghosts, you know, I, why does it have to be ghosts? You know, I don't, because even as a little kid, I was not, not fond of the dark. I didn't like uh, to be scared. Um... Uh, when I was about six or seven, my, I don't think my parents knew about it, but I watched this TV show. It was called Mysterious Monsters. And uh, it was about the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot. And I can remember laying in bed, looking at my window, just knowing at any minute, ah, he was going to look in that window and then just, you know, it was just going to terrify me. And uh, my mom used to hang wash out on the, she had this, the weirdest contraption. It's like a telescoping arm and it had all these things on it. And she was hanging laundry around it, you know. And one night I looked out there and I saw this hulking thing. (laughs) And I was sure it was, you know, Bigfoot, something's out there to get me. You know, it was my dad's uh, work clothes from, you know. But I, uh, you know, I can remember you know, staying at my, was at my grandmother's house and, and down where she lived, I mean, everybody was just dirt poor. I mean, everybody. And from time to time, people would steal things from one another. And one night we were, <laughs> we were asleep and we're just, it's like, what is that sound? Something's out there rattling around. And my grandma got up and, and, uh, you got to understand, when we went to see Grandma, it was not only my mother, but all of her sisters. So it was like 10 of us all went to visit Grandma. And uh, I remember my cousin saying, there's somebody out there, there's somebody out there. And I remember sitting up thinking, it's the Holy Ghost. Because <laughs> I knew there, you know, something was going on, and, and I didn't know what, what was happening, and it, it frightened me. And so growing up, I was always interested, what is this Holy Ghost that, that, that they all talked about? Well, today I realize the Holy Ghost is actually the power of God. It's, it's the power that God uses 
through which he carries out his will, it's through which he carries out his purposes in our lives and all throughout history. I mean, it's all woven together in this great you know, piece of fabric called time that, that God has just sort of woven things t- together and through his power that was able to take place. Last week we talked a little bit about the Holy Spirit. We talked about how in our culture it's okay to get excited about just about anything except your religion. You, you're not allowed to really get excited too much about your faith in Christ. Uh, you're not really allowed to get um, to let your let the Holy Spirit really work and, and demonstrate through you. People look at you and they think you're weird. You go to a football game, people lose their minds. Ah! And nobody thinks anything of it. That guy's a real fan. But if you go to church and you do that, people are like, uh, religious nut, you know, wacko over there. But anyways, uh, when we allow God to work through us, we're allowing and depending upon his Holy Spirit to control our lives. And I think that's where passion is really, really born. And I want to continue with some things that we had began last week to talk about the, uh, the Holy Spirit. And I asked each of you to think about your relationship with God and whether or not you're allowing His Holy Power, His Holy Spirit, to guide and influence your life. Right here at Communion this morning, Larry sort of challenged us to examine ourselves. Are you being led by the Holy Spirit? Is God working in your life? Are you allowing Him to work in you and through you? Or are you stifling that? Many will call me Lord, but not everyone will be saved. Think about that. There are a lot of people who are convinced, I I know who Jesus is. He's, you know, Christmas and Easter, and and I, I went to church a few times, and, you know, I know all who this Jesus is. That's enough, isn't it? Um, what about the Holy Spirit? Is God working through you? Or is there no fire at all? Because many people claim to know Christ, but the Holy Spirit is dead inside of them. It's dead. It's not effective. It does not work through them. Um... Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you would. And I want to give you some thoughts today about the Holy Spirit and uh, this, uh, this question I've asked you about, is the Spirit working in your life? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 through 22. And I think I read this last week, but I want to read it again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Starting at verse 19, do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now that idea of quenching the Spirit means to stifle it, to to stamp it out. Um, When I was... uh, Years ago, my, my grandmother, not my grandmother, my aunt had this, this really cool, these candles. 
and there was no religious significance to it. They were just really cool candles. And she had this little bell thing, and you would like hold, that's how you put it out. She wouldn't let you just go, you know, like that. That's, you know, no, you had to pick up the bell, and you had to, you know, very carefully set it over. That's quenching the flame. Very carefully putting it out. And the Bible warns us, do not quench the spirit. In other words, God is trying to work actively through you. God is trying to demonstrate his power to the world. I had mentioned before, one of the reasons I don't think we see a lot of miracles anymore is we don't need miracles. We have the church. You're to be the miracle for people to go and to serve and to love them. But quenching the spirit is to cut yourself off from the power of God. To cut yourself off from that influence that he can have over you. I don't know about you, but I want God to to have influence over me. I've tried it my way. It's not very good. I, I wasn't real satisfied. So I tried God's way. Guess what? It wasn't any easier. But it sure is more satisfying. And it sure is more significant. We're not to quench the Spirit. Don't don't quench or stamp out that fire of God's Spirit. Do not douse it with sin. Sin is that little bell that ping. You want to douse the Spirit? Engage in sin. We used to sing this little song years ago. When I was a little kid, uh, went to Bible school, vacation Bible school. And for whatever reason, at this little church we went to, they always sang, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You know, everybody would. And there was this one uh, part, this little light, don't let Satan blow it out. <laughs> I can remember Don Black, he would sit here and he used to love to sing them old camp songs. Man, he loved this. Uh, but... Don't blow it out. Don't don't quench that little light, that fire of God's Spirit. Willful sin is a wet blanket over the fire of the Holy Spirit. If you want God to be active and alive in your life, you have to cut out the sin that's holding you back. We speak a lot about forgiveness. I do anyways. Because it's... As somebody who needed to be forgiven. It feels good to have been forgiven. And to feel what grace really is. But there also comes with that the responsibility of repentance. Of turning away from things in the past. And moving closer to God. And really working on that. If you want God to be active and alive in your life, you've got to cut that out. Matthew chapter 5, in the, uh, near the Beatitudes. And you can flip there if you want, but if not, that's okay. It's just a real quick reference. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus was talking about, oh, personal relationships. And in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 through 30, You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Here's the key part. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better 
to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you, for it's better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, Jesus is not talking about actually taking a knife or a saw and chopping it off. What he is talking about is there are things that are holding you back in your life that are preventing the Holy Spirit from working in you and through you. You know what those things are. I don't know what they are, but you know. And what Jesus is saying, if you really want the Holy Spirit to work, if you really want you, you know, God to be alive and to work in your heart and for all this, this new gospel stuff to make sense, you've got to cut that stuff out. It's better for you to get rid of the, uh, get rid of the newspaper if it causes you to get mad. In my case, get rid of Facebook if, if all it does is makes you mad and you post stupid lunatic things and gets people mad. And Better to just get rid of it. It's taken me a while to get there, but I, I'm, I'm getting there. Your cell phone, is it causing you trouble? Get rid of it. You don't need it. You don't have to have it if it's causing you problems. Are there things that are causing you to suffer? Get rid of them. It's better to get rid of that stuff and to, and to suffer a little bit because you don't have it than it is to lose the whole ball game at the end and to find that your faith was was not a real faith. It was just words. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. I want to go back to this thing on the Holy Spirit here because I would love for everyone to be fully under the influence of the Holy Spirit and allow Him to work in your life. And Ephesians chapter 5... and. It, the church at Ephesus was having some problems here, and I think I alluded to this last week a little bit. These people were spending a lot of time arguing with each other. There were some lies being told about each other. There were some things, you know, there wasn't exactly, everybody wasn't all together, let's put it that way. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul talks about how we're to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a little bit lengthy, but let me read this. Ephesians chapter 5, we'll start at verse 15 through 21. And Paul says, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. It's like they used to say, was it Hill Street Blues? Be careful out there. I mean, that's what Paul's saying. Hey, be careful out there evil out there so then don't be foolish but understand what the will of the lord is and do not get drunk with wine for that is dissipation but be filled with the spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody with your heart to the lord always giving thanks for all things in the name of our lord jesus christ to god even the father and be subject to one another in the fear of christ now, if we, we look, there at, uh, excuse me, look in there at verse 18, 
Do not get drunk with wine, for that's dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now the issue here is control. Who's controlling you? If you uh, take to the bottle too much, well, the the booze is in control. And it's kind of guiding your life there. And Paul's saying, look, you guys... Frankly, you got some of you out there drinking too much wine, you're getting yourself blasted, and you're thinking this somehow is makes you holy or whatever. That's no. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Okay, now, now Paul is not here saying, look, you can never drink ever. There are many places in the Bible where Paul uh, Jesus turned water into wine. Paul told Timothy, look, take a little wine. You know, it's good for your health benefits. But under no circumstances is that to be a license to abuse alcohol. Don't anybody walk out of here and say, well, our pastor, he loves it. He tells us we can drink. That's not what I'm saying, okay? So don't get that idea. But Paul is commanding us here to live continually Under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Colossians chapter 3 says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. In other words, if you want to be controlled by the Spirit, get into the Bible. I've been pounding on that one thing since I started this little adventure a year and a half ago. Get into your Bible. So again, uh, do not get drunk with wine, for that's dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay, so you know you come home from camp, you've had a wonderful time with the Lord, you're all fired up, the ladies are going to a women's conference, they're going to come home fired up. You want to keep that fire going. You want to keep it going. I had mentioned the Ephesian church was having trouble keeping the fire going. And back in chapter 4 in Ephesians, uh, verse 25, Paul's going to kind of call them out here a little bit. And he's writing this to the church, and he says, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we're members of one another. In other words, there were people in the church running around telling lies about other people, making up falsehoods, making up stories. Did you hear what? Did you hear what Russ Dickerson did? I can't believe that. My goodness! Did you hear what Missy Fultz said on Facebook? Oh my! And it spreads, and people start talking, and here you go. And Paul's like, cut it out. Speak truth with one another. Verse 26, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. I would be angry if people were talking about me, lies about me. I can't believe that guy. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to punch him right in the nose. The Holy Ghost going to fill me and pow, I'm going to let him have it. Paul's saying, no, 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 we don't want to do that. Spreading lies about people, and you get people all fired up. People are getting angry. Paul's telling them, look, just let it go. Take it easy. Don't you want to keep the fire going? 
Because if not, we grieve the Spirit. And we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. In this passage, Paul is writing about how Christians are to give up the old way of life, the old responses. Before I was a Christian, if people called me a name, I'd call them a name right back. I've often told the story, uh, I was coaching a football game, and his kid got thrown out of the game. And I'm like, go take a seat on a bench. And his father went ballistic. Not at his kid, he was yelling at me. Because I, I wasn't standing up for his kid. I'm like, your kid got himself thrown, he threw a punch, he got himself thrown out of the game. You need to blah, 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 blah. Let me tell you, before I was a Christian, I would have been over that fence chasing that guy. It's not in my nature to, you know, I even told the assistant principal, I was really struggling with it. I said, if that guy comes over that fence, he's getting both barrels, baby. But I can remember my daughter was there on the field with me. My father was in the stands. My best friend was coaching with me. I had a team full of kids all looking at me. What's coach going to do? And I pushed pause and I said, Dear Lord, what do you want me to do? I know what I want to do. But what should I do? And so I allowed God to work through me. Again, don't think I'm some kind of a saint. I mean, I said every nasty word you could say. Uh, there are still holes in the ozone, I think, from the conversation we had after the game about that. But the point is, I didn't want to live my life the way I used to. I wanted to live a life pleasing to God. I wanted to be influenced by Him. I want to give you an example of someone who had every right to be angry, to strike out in wrath, but chose instead to listen to God. We're going to really dust off the Old Testament here. I'm going to go to a, a book of the Bible. I don't ever remember anybody preaching out of, just myself, but... See if you can find the book of Hosea. Go. <laughs> See who can find it the first, because I'll probably be fishing around myself here a little bit. Uh, you have those little cheater tabs? Man. Oh, I got lucky. I found it. Hosea is kind of like in the back two-thirds of the Old Testament. You get to Psalms, keep going. You'll run into the big prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. Then you'll start to get a bunch of little books, and Hosea's in there. Well, Hosea, chapter 3, when, uh, when Neola and I got married, we had to sit down for marriage counseling. And I often laughed because the, the guy who did our counseling, he wasn't much older than we were. I was like, what do you really know about, <laughs> you know, yeah, you got a lot of kids. Okay, what do you know about being married? But anyways, um, Hosea is about to get some marriage advice here from the Lord. Hosea chapter 3, verse 1. Then the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by her husband, yet an adulteress, 
Even as the Lord loves the sons of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. So I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a half of barley. You go out and buy yourself, uh, you know. Let me read to you the same verse in a different translation. This is the, the one I want to read to you now. Is, it's the NIV Revised edition. It's 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 a, sort of the easy reader version. Okay, one of my best friends is dyslexic, and he has trouble reading. He loves this version because it's it it maintains the idea, but it's a little bit it's a lot more readable for him. And it's it goes like this: The Lord said to me, "Go, show your love to your wife again. She is loved by another man." And she has committed adultery. But I want you to love her just as I love the people of Israel. They turn to other gods. And they love to offer raisin cakes to Baal and eat them. In spite of that, I love my people. Here you have Hosea who had been married to this woman. And apparently they had split up or he had sent her out or gone or whatever. But they weren't together anymore. And she was off with another man. This is a guy who had every right to be angry, to strike out in wrath. I don't want that woman back. She just ripped my heart out and stomped on it. I don't want that. And I'd have a good reason, and you know, legally, to put her out. But God says, look, what I want you to do is to go get your wife and love her. Yeah, I know she's an adulteress. I know she's in love with another man, and but look, you got to understand, that's how it is with me. I created all the people of all time. Most of them, they cheat on me. They say things to me. They run out and they do something different. And specifically, the nation of Israel. My chosen people. How many times have I bailed them out? Have I shown them kindness and mercy? And yet they turn their backs on me. So Hosea, here through your marriage, I'm going to demonstrate what my grace is, what my love really is. Verse 4 in the NIV Revised Version says this, So the people of Israel will live for a long time without a king or a prince. Don't be mistaken. There's forgiveness. There's also a price to be paid. And in the case of Homer's wife, or Hosea's wife, they wouldn't be able to be together for a long time. He, he brought her back into the house, but there was a, a long time of separation there before they resumed their, their life together as man and woman. And God says the same thing about Israel. There's going to be a time you guys are going to have to pay for what you've done. You're not going to have a king. You're not going to have a prince. But after that, the people of Israel will return to the Lord their God. They will look to him and, and to a king from the family line of David. In the last days, they will tremble with fear as they come to the Lord. They will receive his full blessing. 
Hosea has this wife. She's unfaithful. Hosea has every right to throw her out. But Hosea has chosen, I want to do what the Lord has called me to do. In other words, even in a time before there was really no words that I know of speaking of Holy Spirit and You know, in fact, the church hadn't come yet, of course. Jesus hadn't been born. None of those events had happened. But yet still, God was alive and active in his people. Here's a man who wants to do what God has called him to do. He does not want to quench the fire that's in him. And even though he's probably saying, I don't want her in my house, let alone take her back. Not just take her back. I mean, he had to pony up big bucks to get her back. I was reading in a uh, Bible dictionary, the writer, uh, some people believe she was probably bought, he probably bought her off of a slave auction. Uh, After putting her out of the house, you know, for a woman at that time, that would have been a very difficult situation. Uh, Probably a relationship with her new lover, that didn't work out. She found herself in a situation where she was to be bought or sold. Hosea went down there and he bought her. All right, you're wrong. You wronged me. You done me wrong, but I'm going to buy you back. We're going to make this right. How many of you would do such a thing? How many of you would allow the Spirit of God to work in you and say, you know what, I don't understand this. I don't know why I'm doing this. But God has called me to demonstrate grace to this woman. And I, I, I'm going to do it. It doesn't make any sense, but I'm going to do it. Because I want God to work in my life. Now, I don't know how the story ends with Hosea and his wife, but the illustration is there that eventually Israel is going to be blessed by God. And I would imagine that Hosea's wife, Gomer is her name, um, Eventually, their their marriage blossomed because Hosea chose to do what God asked him to do. He, he, He said, I'm going to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to allow God to work through me. I don't understand it. I don't even like it, but I'm going to do it. Our motto here at church is leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. In some ways, it's trying to fan the flame of the Holy Spirit and to try to help people start to get in touch with the power of God. One of my greatest blessings, one of my greatest joys of of being your pastor, your lay pastor the last year or so, has been seeing some of you come up to me and say, you know, I'm reading my Bible for the first time. I mean, I'm not just, I don't just have it and read a little bit at church. I'm actually reading the thing. I don't always understand it, but I'm trying. That is a blessing to me. That's, that's just awesome. I've had people say they're thinking about their relationship with God. How can I go deeper? I don't want to just go to church. You know, we want everyone to come into a relationship with Christ. We want everyone to be filled with the Spirit, to understand and know and trust God and to to watch Him work in your life. Now, to close this morning, I want to testify a little bit here 
The Spirit of God has been very active in my life lately. Again, I'm not claiming to be a saint or that everything I've been doing is good because it, it, I'm human. But I want to publicly thank God for the many blessings that He has bestowed upon me and my family and my friends. He's used events to remind me of how blessed I really am. You know, I like to complain like everybody. I, you know, I tend to grouch a lot. But God has reminded me again and again in ways that I never expected that He loves me. He loves my family. He has allowed me to receive a deeper love for my kids, for my church, for my friends. God has kept me and my family out of trouble. He has he safeguarded uh, my kids all summer long, coming and going and driving. And I think Dustin made four trips to Tennessee in the last three weeks or something. Good night, son. You know, people do crazy things for love, you know. But that's a lot of nights where I'm flopping around worrying. He's allowed me to grow spiritually. And so I'm thankful to God for his love for me and his, his, his great kindness. So um, I'm going to throw the worship team a curveball, Joey. I'm going to sing that. It's a song we already sang this morning. Um, he's a good, good father. <laughs>